Blog Talk Radio. Selection weekend, selection eve, uh, here on the Balance Radio Network. We have got our brackets getting ready to go. As soon as the brackets are ready to go, we'll have them out to everybody. If you want a bracket, we need to hear from you. Just send us a direct message on Tweet or Facebook, and we'll get you a bracket ASAP. We're also going to be talking with Steve Wilson. Uh, from uh, Speedway Digest is standing by in the balance green room right now as we speak. And then we're going to be talking with Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast for the remainder of the show. And we're going to be breaking down all the possibles and the selections of March Madness, which begins next weekend right here in Indianapolis, where we're located at high atop the balance studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente. 917-889-8516 is of our digits. Stick around. It's about to get good. component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. 
morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Hopefully you got your coffee, your Black Rifle coffee. What a great company this is, and it's got great coffee. The good thing about it is it supports uh, uh, first responders and troops. And, you know, i got a friend who's in the Navy, and uh, they're deployed, and all they serve on the ship is Black Rifle coffee. The great thing about Black Rifle coffee is when you buy a bag, you give a bag, and you only pay for one bag. How cool is that? Joining us now, though, is Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, uh, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, Steve, how are you doing, sir? Doing all right. How yourself? Good. Do you need any of this Black Rifle coffee <laughs> this morning? <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll hit a monster off here shortly. But yeah. uh. Your your evening of being an Irishman, huh? <laughs> I get it. I Something like totally, that. I totally understand. Steve, thanks for joining us. Obviously, uh, the uh, uh, NASCAR continues their Wild Wild West tour. Let's talk a little bit about Phoenix. We've got some other things to talk about with the t- uh, Camping World uh, Truck Series and some other things. But let's do a recap. Uh, Vegas last week, and you know we talked about this last week, and this is the the lug nut issue, and it remains to be an issue out there in Vegas. Uh, what uh, what are your t- takeaways from Vegas before we get into this talk about Vegas? I mean uh, Phoenix. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think you know we we saw Kyle Larson went out there last Sunday afternoon, and it, it it took you know that's this is the fastest time that somebody has um won in a Hendrick Motorsports car uh since coming on board to the team the uh, ne- uh the the previous record was five races uh set back way back in the 90s um 
you know, for a first-time winner in an Hendrick Motorsports car. Uh, and we're talking modern era, not going all the way back to the the beginning, obviously, of Hendrick Motorsports. But uh, you know, in, in the in the most recent modern era, the, it's the fastest that somebody has gone to victory lane. And you know, Carl Larson is a is a good driver. And uh, you know, I'm yeah. I said when everything happened last last year that Kyle um, deserved just like everybody else does. Uh, a second chance to make amends and, and do the right thing, and I think he did. And uh, you know, we saw Bob Wallace and others come over to him in Victory Lane last Sunday and uh, congratulate him, shake his hand. And I think you know he's, you know, we can kind of put those things behind him and you know move on from him. Yeah, absolutely. And and I tell you what, it was a great race uh, for Kyle Larson and a great win from him from. Uh, suspension to redemption as we as we talked about uh so let's go ahead and let's move on to some news of the week and obviously we got some uh uh news coming out of uh bristol uh, uh with the the uh with with jessica uh jessica fresh to race her her our uh truck uh race of bristol on dirt there let's talk a little bit about what we know about the trucks and bristol coming up well, the truck series has a little bit of an advantage at this point, considering that they can just pull some trucks out from it, uh, Eldora and uh, and race them out on Bristol. So they they've got a bit of an advantage at this moment for for going into Bristol in what about two weeks or so, something like that. Um, Cup series, unfortunately for them, they've got to they've got to convert cars over and uh, go race them on 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 dirt, but. What you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of drivers come out there, and they're going to jump in these trucks from the Cup Series and try and make it in. Um, it's going to be pretty competitive uh, as far as he's going to be able to make it in. Not only you've got Cup drivers, but uh, we've got drivers from all other forms of dirt motorsports, dirt racing, uh, sprint cars, and super late models and things like that that are uh, finding rides and prepping trucks and coming out there for that so um you know there's going to be you know it's going to be a stacked field and nascar is going to uh you know just like they're going to do in cup and trucks um there's going to be a lot of heat races and getting into the mains and um you know uh, it, you know it's you know i think if you know we look back at what happened at eldora um you know we we've seen some people like norm benning uh that have uh uh, you know, not traditionally ran well, but uh, or we see other guys they just come in and uh, race uh, or race these trucks from other series, and I think we'll see some names that uh, we've never seen before, at least not in stock cars or in trucks or in NASCAR in general, and they primarily stick over to the dirt car series. But um, you know, I I think you know right now it's a little bit too early to tell. I know that they've put down uh you know. 2,000 or so dirt uh, truckloads of dirt, um, 14 degrees banking, things like that, and you know everybody over at SMI has uh, you know spent weeks and months working on this thing, and I think they tested something like 15 or 17 different dirt samples before they finally found what they were really looking for, and um, you know they've they've gone to work and put this thing together, and uh, you know a little bit of it is an unknown, and. Uh, Especially, you know, on these you know, with trucks and cup, and I know Bristol back in uh, about 
16, 17 years ago. Um, they ran sprint cars there, World of Outlaws, things like that. So, um, you know, we, we haven't had these big, um, these big trucks, these big cars on it. And NASCAR hasn't had on um, cup cars on dirt in, um, you know, over 60 years. So, I mean, it's been quite a while since we've even had put cup cars on dirt. So I think it, what what remains to be seen is uh, we'll have to find out in in, in these uh, practices and heat races that'll come up before we get to the to the main events. Yeah, and, and another big uh, thing about history here at the with the Bristol Trucks, it's Stuart and Jessica Frizen uh, will uh, give the NASCAR its first husband versus wife battle since 1998 when they compete against each other later this month in Bristol. And so, you know, certainly that this brings to the topic that 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 is at hand and that is women's history month and you know, uh women is no stranger to racing certainly uh for the <clears throat> longest time it was the a, a boys only club but uh, certainly uh Women have have uh, broken into uh, the 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 ranks of NASCAR, but I think when we think of NASCAR and we think of women, we think of Danica Patrick. But there's a lot of other uh, women who made the pioneer way in the NASCAR world. What 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 are your thoughts about the women in NASCAR? Well, I mean, we're seeing it open up more and more. And I mean, if you go back to the '40s, you you had women already competing in NASCAR. Um, you know, in back way, excuse me, when it was uh, the Grand National Series way back, um, predating NASCAR and even in their first years in 40, 49, 50. So, you know, there's a, you know, there's a long history of uh, women being in the sport. And well, sometimes we forget about some of those. Uh, you look in the 90s with Shauna Robinson. She, she herself raced in, uh, in NASCAR and has since moved on and uh, still kind of involved in the sport, but still, uh, you know, we, we, you know, I think we tend to think of Danica Patrick just because of her larger than life personality that kind of took over the sport for a couple of years. And now we've got, now we've got all, uh, um, Natalie Ducker, um, Trotter and others that are coming up through the, uh, through the ARCA series and, um, in the NASCAR. Now, when we talk about Jessica Friesen, she's, She's no stranger to racing in general. She has a she has a lot of dirt experience and modifieds and uh, sprint cars. So uh, for her, you know, this is this is uh, something that she's done for a while. And uh, you know, her and Stewart both go out there and race, and they've done it for years. And uh, you know, it's uh, you know, again, you know, women women are women have been a part of this sport for a long time, and. Sometimes we seem to we seem to forget that, and we only seem to key in on a few uh, personalities here and there. But you know, NASCAR really does have a long history of them not not as expansive as maybe some other sports are. But you know, uh, they have been involved in, in in NASCAR you know for many many years, even going like I said, going back to the founding of the sport. So you know, uh, I think it's good that we start seeing some more of these uh, drivers come in and. Obviously, uh, you know, it's good for the sport and it's good to, to have that diversity in there to, to you know, kind of, uh, you know, have different drivers come in from different backgrounds, different uh, walks of life. And, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we see them being able to compete at the top, the highest of high levels. And, you know, that's that's good all around for the sport to continue that pipeline of, uh, you know, drivers coming up and competing at the highest levels of the sport, no matter whether they're a male or female. 
We're talking with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR con- contributor. Well, let's move on out west, out to Arizona, to Phoenix. You know, we've been talking over the last, uh, well, year, for that matter, about fans and stuff in the stands uh, related to COVID. Uh, the good thing about Phoenix is it really has the capability. It's really one of the newer uh, as tracks that have did a lot of remodeling, it really has the capability to uh, to allow a lot of fans to come into uh, the the race, and it also has a unique ability in some aspects where you can actually see the track from outside the track. That's kind of kind of anomaly when it comes to NASCAR or you know any race for that matter, especially when you're here in Indianapolis. There's no way you can see from the outside uh, unless you're able to catch one of the huge uh, TV monitors uh, of what's going on at the track. So how's Phoenix handling COVID this year? And uh, what's what's it look like for fans to be able to be in the the stands there? Well, it'll continue to be the the protocols that we've had for the last couple of weeks. So it'll be limited uh, in-person fan attendance throughout the weekend. Uh, Obviously, continuing with with the mask, the social distancing, uh, temperature checks and all the things that NASCAR has continued to do. And while NASCAR continues to bump up uh, the number of people coming in week in and week out, uh, you know, depending on local and state uh, health officials. And uh, luckily, you know, with Arizona and Nevada and, uh, you know, Florida that we've been in so far that, you know, that, that officials have allowed, um, you know, more, more people to come and, uh, uh, enjoy the races and be there in person. Unfortunately, you know, when we do get back uh, up here to Virginia, that's going to change a little bit because we are still in, in, a, in a bit of a lockdown mode. So there is going to be a limitation, a, a very, very small amount of people that are going to be able to come to uh, either Richmond or or, uh, or Martinsville coming up in April. So, you know, uh, up until then, you know, we're, we've got more of a more opportunity. Fans have more opportunities to go to races, especially when they get to Atlanta next week. And then when they get on to Bristol, too, it'll be the same thing. So we'll continue these protocols e- each week. Uh, and the fluctuation of people that are allowed to come in in-person attendance is, is going to fluctuate from week to week. And, uh, you know, from just from what we've seen in Florida to tens of thousands of people to uh, Virginia, where there's going to be only a, just a handful, a couple hundred of people that are even going to be allowed at the races. So, you know, that's, you know, that's, you know, every state, every locality is uh, doing something different. But so far, NASCAR has had the uh, uh, been able to race in states that are more open and have more, allow more people and more in-person uh, attendance. Uh, and, and again, the, you know, this is just going to continue. And, uh, you know, and then NASCAR continues to look at these situations and they continue to look at what's going on down the road and, yeah, they're they're hopeful that by the summer that they you know they can start bumping this up even more. But you know, I think they're trying to get past the uh, you know the vaccination portion of uh, of this um, pandemic and and then uh, see you know where where exactly some of these uh, you know state and local governments are on or health officials are on uh, COVID and you know then they'll make adjustments as needed and. I'm not sure if we'll be able to stick to that timeline, but, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, in the next couple of weeks or months or maybe even by the time that we get to the, uh, the playoffs later this year, that there'll be a, a massive increase. And I, I don't, I don't think it, it, we will see full 
uh, attendant race uh, for the rest of this year, and I'll be skeptical if uh, in 2021, uh, 2022, at least the beginning of it, if there is a you know a, a full house of races, and there might be, but you know, uh, I think there's a lot of things that need to happen between now and then. Well, let's talk about what's going on in the track. Obviously, the Xfinity race, Daniel Hemrick has the pole, uh, certainly battling to – he's in the number two spot, battling for that number one spot against uh, Austin Sendrick. Uh, and it all starts today, this afternoon, out of, at Phoenix with the LS Tractor 200. What say you about the Xfinity race today? Well, you know, I, I, I think you did. Daniel Hammer, Daniel Hammer is a guy that came into this season, you know, not knowing whether, you know, this was going to be something that they continue uh, week in and week out. And, uh, you know, for him, you know, he, he's he's uh, been with Junior Motorsports, and obviously he's been in the Cup Series for a while and has had to drop back down to the Xfinity Series and, you know, find his way again through that. And, uh, you know, it's good to see Daniel Hembrick up there um, because, you know, he, he is a driver that, you know, for while he hasn't had a win in these series, uh, you know, he's been up there and he's been, you know, he's been fairly competitive in the Xfinity series. Uh, you know, even when he was with Junior Motorsports, for example, he's very competitive in the series. And, you know, I, I know that, you know, people kind of, you know, look at him and say, well, you, he hasn't had a win yet, but, you know, uh, he's been competitive, and he, it's showing right now that, you know, now that he's at Joe Gibbs Racing and arguably the best equipment, uh, both on the Cup or Xfinity side, that, you know, you're seeing, uh, you know, him be able to go out there and do things that, you know, he's, you know, been it, to to be competitive, and, you know, now he's, you know, right there. He's uh, itching or within, you know, striking distance of, you know, being able to, to take over the championship standing. So, you know, I think as long as he continues to do what he's doing and be competitive week in and week out, Joe Goose will continue to put him in this car. And obviously, if he's in the championship hunt, there'd be no reason to take him out of the car right now. But, you know, you do have the guys that we talked about last year that you just mentioned is uh, Austin Cendrick. And, uh, you know, he's somebody that battled along with, uh, you know, Cole Custer and Chase Briscoe in the previous seasons. And here he is again doing the same thing that he has before. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see, you know, he's going to continue to, uh, you know, be in this car all year long before he transitions over to the Cup Series in the number 21 next year. So, uh, you know, I think we'll have, we'll get used to talking about him again. And, you know, some of these board-defined stories are starting to come through. And, uh, you know, this this is a part in the season where, you know, after a few weeks, we finally start getting to talk about some of these stories. And then we got tomorrow, we've got the Instacart 500 out, out there in, in Phoenix. And obviously a great race. Kyle Larson, as we mentioned earlier, uh, coming off of a great win out there in Vegas. We've got Denny Hamlin, Brad Kowalski, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., Michael McDowell, which, by the way, is having an excellent season. We hats off to Michael McDowell and Kurt Busch all rounding out the top ten in standings. What are your thoughts on, at Phoenix tomorrow for the Instacart 500? Well, after Kevin Harvick had this the disaster that he did in Las Vegas last weekend, you know, uh, Phoenix has been a place that he's come into on multiple occasions 
kind of down and out, and especially once we got into the playoffs, and uh, he needed to win this race to move on, and he's been able to capitalize on those, uh, you know, low points in his career, low points in the season to to capitalize and come back and win these races. And uh, I I don't see I, I see him be this is a place that he can kind of turn around that disaster that he had last week. But also don't, uh, you know, Chase Elliott in the most recent champion. Uh, you know, he seems to be uh, a, a guy that we're now talking about when we come to Phoenix. But, you know, Kyle Larson is back in the series. And, uh, you know, NASCAR is trying to – what NASCAR is going to do this weekend is they're going to put down uh, some of the the traction surface or uh, the traction material on the track to try and open up the grooves, try and move some more people outside to the outside wall and, uh, you know, open up a second lane or a lane and a half of traffic out there to, to get racing out there. You know, the only thing that I will say is, is that if you look back at what happened last November in the race, um, you know, I, if we continue to see that, and I, and I know it was a lackluster race, for, especially for the championship, we had a lot of fans that said, you know, that, hey, look, this race just is not really championship can, um, material. And NASCAR tried to do the same thing with the traction material last year. Um, but, you know, I think if we go into this weekend, I see if with the cup cars continue to uh, perform as they did last year, um, you know, I hope that NASCAR starts looking at very serious considerations on the fact of whether they want to continue to have the championship in Phoenix or move it back to a place like Homestead that has the progressive banking and has, uh, you know, obviously produced better racing for the championship in general over the last uh, 15, 15 or so years since it was moved to Homestead prior to coming to Phoenix. So, uh, you know, hopefully that, you know, some of the changes that they are trying to make out there will boost up the racing out there. But again, if if we do see an equivalent of the excuse me, the November race that, you know, maybe they're going to start being some considerations about moving this away from Phoenix to somewhere else. And, and you know, I heard that too as well. Where would that somewhere else be? Well, you know, in my opinion, I I would like to see them move it back to Homestead. Uh, If you look at Homestead over the previous 15 or so seasons, I mean, we've we've had some – championship battles that have been won and lost there. I mean, think about just in the Xfinity series a couple of years ago, Cole Custer was out of this thing and he comes to Phoenix and he, he beat everybody in, in the in the playoffs in the Xfinity series. Uh, you look at Carl Edwards' incident uh, uh, years ago in the series. You look at some of the other uh, the racing that we've produced or that Homestead has produced in general in these championship races is, you know, seems to have have been a lot better than what we saw at least last year in Phoenix. And, you know, my pick, if I had to choose, would be to go back to Homestead. We're talking with Steve Wilson, uh, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor. Real quickly, uh, let's give hats off to Ty Gibbs for his uh, first 2021 season in the ARCA season uh, last, last night in Phoenix. Doug is, you know, he's he's showing that he can uh, come in and do some do things that he uh, needs to do. And I mean, don't forget, uh, he he just won just a couple of weeks ago, also. Uh, so you know, uh, you know, he's he's a he's somebody we're going to be looking at, and he's going to be somebody that, you know, with his very close get uh, with his close ties to Joe Gibbs, obviously, that I wouldn't expect too long before we'll start seeing him uh, full time in the Xfinity series. Uh, you know, in the in the next year or so. 
Steve, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, we, we, this is Selection uh, Weekend. we got March Madness coming up here in Indianapolis. Uh, what any, any takers you got? Uh, any Anybody you think is going to win it all? I, here, well, here's a clue. Florida it won't State. be Florida's fate. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, buddy. Well, I'm a Florida State fan, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm an IU fan, and I, and I got a huge uh, uh, thought that I think that tomorrow is going to be a very disappointing day for IU. And so we're going to be getting into that conversation coming up next with Tony D for the, I mean Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast. So, uh, Steve, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? At Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash Speedway Digest at Steve, we appreciate you joining us, and we'll be following along with the race in Phoenix later this afternoon. Thanks, Bye-bye. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, joins us to break down some NASCAR. It is time. It is that time of the year. It is that time of the day. It is that time of the weekend when we're going to start talking about Selection Sunday, which is exactly one hour. I mean, one day. Seven hours and 31 minutes and four, wait, three, wait, two, wait, one seconds away. And we're going to know where the brackets are. Here's one thing I want to point out about the bracket before we go to the, the breaks. If you want a bracket, all you have to do is just send us a direct message on Twitter at T-Balance or on Facebook, The Balance. Give us your email address. Say, hey, I want in and you will have a bracket. It is that simple. It is free. It is just for bragging rights. But let's just see how good you are. And uh, so we're going to get into all of that right here on the on the Balance Radio Network. My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our dishes. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the boots black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Nah, can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Riding on a truck. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. 
Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Oh. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. is our digits. Thank you to Steve Wilson joining us and talking with us about what's going out in Phoenix uh, this uh, weekend with NASCAR getting us caught up to speed on uh, NASCAR. It is NASCAR Selection Weekend, and that's right. This is Selection Eve. This is Selection Special. For the remaining time of the show today, we'll be talking about what's going to be happening in one day, seven hours, 25 minutes, and that is Selection Sunday here in Indianapolis, uh, where we're located high atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. But joining us now is Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, how are you, sir? How's it going? 
Fantastic. Hey, I I see you're attaching Camping World to your podcast there. Congrats on that. Uh, we were just talking a little bit about the the uh, Camping World Truck Series uh, uh, getting ready for the uh, the dirt uh, race later on this month out in Bristol. Congratulations on that. Any anything you want to say about the Camping World Truck Series, sir? Um. Yeah. I mean, I, it's it's more just a joke because Michigan State uh, decided that. They were going to be called uh, from now on. <laughs> Michigan Martin is brought to you by Quicken Loan. So I was like, well, yeah, you know, a lot, of people gonna be searching, a lot of people are going to be searching Camping World on Twitter. So maybe my name will pop up and, and they'll see what I got going on. I love it, dude. I totally love it, man. Do you have a degree in marketing or something? Man, that is that is yeah. great. I, I have to admit, oh, I fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I mean, Marcus Simonis follows me. So, you know, if he wants to – he wants to put me up in an RV for the month of May and have me do some broadcast. <laughs> I'm all about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's get started in the month of March, if you will, uh, and let's let's talk a little bit about just the overall setup here uh, and uh, about what's going on here in Indianapolis this weekend. This weekend with the selection process, but more importantly, let's talk a little bit about how COVID has affected uh, March Madness. We didn't have a March Madness last year, and it really seems kind of surreal to think that that didn't happen. We are going to have one this year, and it's inside the bubble here in Indianapolis for the most part. We're going to get down to the breakdown of all the teams and the possibilities here in the moment. But let's talk a little bit, uh, Tony, about the effect that COVID's had on sports in general, but most particularly uh, March Madness, because a year ago uh, we realized that this was not going to happen, and it's just been great strides by the NCAA uh, in uh, the, 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 the tournament to be able to make this happen. Well, yeah, and it, it seems like, you know, the, the, the turning point from all this was just getting through the season and playing enough games. And, I, I you know, there's, there's, not a, there's, not a, there's not a D1 or D2 or junior college school out there that hasn't dealt with COVID in, 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 in some form or fashion, whether it's just taking your safety precautions like you're supposed to or having games and players affected by it. Um, I think that you look at, you know, the turning point also being the fact that Okay, they got to the Super Bowl. They had a certain amount of fans there. Nothing really seemed to break out. Um, but but it's going to be interesting because, you know, when you started bringing multiple teams to the same place, um, you know, people, things got more relaxed the last probably couple of weeks with COVID. We've seen Florida and Texas open up. Um, and then now you've got Kansas and Virginia and some of these schools that are no longer able to play in their conference tournaments because of COVID. So, it's going to be interesting in this quote unquote semi bubble with COVID still being alive and well is what we've learned, even though sometimes it's just contact tracing. Um, we'll see what happens when you bring 68 schools to Indianapolis and, and, you know, you've got different venues and, and, and you've got this semi bubble, which kind of isn't a semi bubble anymore because you're allowing fans into the building and you're allowing, you know, access to these people. So um, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, COVID took yeah took everybody out of the tournament last year. Um, it's going to be sad if they takes if COVID takes some teams out of this year's NCAA tournament. Before we get into all this, we've got to talk about. I mean, I tell you what, I'm an IU fan and I bleed red. And I'm going to tell you what, my face was as red as it could be when I see all that loss against Rutgers unfold. I think I saw the end of the year 
the season for Indiana University, and I think I also saw the end of the tenure of Archie Miller. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, it it just didn't work out. Um, He never really got the wheels turning, so to speak. Um, I didn't think he was a good hire from the get-go. He's had the players, and if you're going to get rid of a coach, this is the time to do it. Yeah, it's a $10 million buyout. If alumni want him gone, they'll come up with that money. Also, if he gets a job next year, which there's going to be 30 to 35 open college basketball jobs next year alone, that he could, he'll, he'll find a job. It might be at a smaller college. So whatever he makes next year um, at, at, at whatever school it is will come off the books for IU. And, you know, with the transfer portal and everybody being able to come back you know, with this year not being counting against your eligibility, there's there going to be so many transfers and, 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 and people moving left and right. So, um, you know, if you were going to make a coaching change, this is the perfect time to do it. And it's kind of a double whammy for IU is, as you know, you you could bring a coach in, whether it's DeVries, who's at Drake right now, and maybe he can bring in some guys that are allowed to transfer. But if you're going to do it right now is the time to do it, uh, even though it's $10 million, that can come off the books pretty easily. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen tomorrow in Selection Sunday. Let's start breaking these teams down. And let's just kind of talk about some of the, the uh, picks that possibly we, we could look at. If we remember last year, uh, there was number one, Gonzaga, number two, uh, Baylor. And I think that they're going to finally meet here in Indianapolis uh, like they were supposed to do back in 2020 in December. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that Gonzaga is the best team that I've ever seen in Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga. This is Mark Hughes' best chance. Yeah, he got to the national championship game a few years ago. But but what they did to BYU last week, trailing by 10, having, you know, everybody is going to have, you know, a blemish or two. Everybody's going to have a bad game. And, and, yeah, they don't maybe play the stiffest competition inside of their conference, but they play great talent outside of their conference. Um it's going to be interesting. I mean, the way their ability to shoot the basketball, go on runs um, in such a quick manner, and, and that come I mean, they were down by ten points at twelve points at half EYU, and within the first three minutes they were within two. Um, and then they pulled away to a ten point victory. Um, yeah, this is the best Gonzaga team, and Baylor's on the hook. I mean, Baylor didn't play well yesterday. They haven't played well the last two or three weeks coming off uh, their 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 COVID protocols, where they had to. They had to shut down for, for a week or two. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Baylor has that stamina and that ability to, to handle tough teams because we know that yesterday they didn't do it with Oklahoma. They lost or With Oklahoma State, they lost to Kansas two weeks ago. Um, they're kind of stumbling into the tournament. I, 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 would be, I would be very, very, very cautious in putting them in my national championship game. Do you think Iowa or, or Ohio State, neither one? them will make it past the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think Ohio State's a really good team. I think Iowa's a really good team. Uh, Iowa's been banged up, but when you've got an All-American like Luka Garza and you've got, um, you know, Bo Hannon, who's been shooting lights out lately, um, I think I think at least one of those two teams definitely makes it to the Sweet 16. So I think it's pretty obvious about who the, the, the first four in is, uh, but let's go ahead and get your thoughts as we put together our brackets uh, for Selection Sunday tomorrow. The first four in are. Um, yeah, I mean, that's still to be determined, too, with, 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 with what happened today. Um, I think when you look at 
some of the teams that are on the bubble, and, and there's not, there seems to not really be any bid stealers besides Georgetown. So it really just depends on um, what Georgetown does today. If if they get in, you know, and they take that automatic bid, um, does that does that that'll steal a bid from another team? So um, I think when you when you look at the teams that are right on that bubble. Uh, to make it and then probably play in those playing games. You're looking at Utah State, who plays today in their conference championship game. You're looking at a Drake, who lost in their conference championship game last Sunday to Loyola. Um, I also think you've got Colorado State that lost last night in the semifinals of the Mountain West. They're on the outside looking in. Syracuse, you know, they won a game in the Big East tournament, uh, but just fell a little short the other day. Uh, so those are some of the teams that I think that are right there on that bubble to make it in. Talking with Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast. Tony, we appreciate uh, appreciate you joining us and helping us break down the the March Madness predictions. As we look at the at, at the seeds, obviously, I think the projected number one seeds. And, and tell me if you disagree with this. Gonzaga by certainly uh, by far undefeated, twenty six and zero. Then you got Baylor, Michigan, and Illinois. Would you say those are your top uh, four in the in the projected number one seeds? Yeah, and it just goes to show how good the Big Ten's been this year. You've got a really good team in Michigan. You've got Ohio State right there. You've got um, Iowa, Wisconsin, as we saw last night. Um, but, yeah, those are certainly the teams that I think are locked in as the number one seeds. I think Big Ten's got a great showing. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, would, I, I would be shocked. Cause I don't even know why I would even put this hypo, hypothetical thing out there that IU would even get into the to the tournament. Uh, but certainly, I, I, it, the Big Ten has a great showing. We, I think we'll see that again in the projected number two seeds, Iowa and Ohio State. Also, you look at Alabama and Houston. Houston is right there. And, and I would certainly put Houston in a, in a, in a Final Four cape, uh, possibility. Yeah, Houston's one of my favorite teams. Uh, they they had a nice win yesterday, pulling away from South Florida. They'll play in the semifinals. And, and what I'm going to be interested in is, if, if I'm Calvin Sampson, how do I approach the next two days of my of my uh, of my season, you know they 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 had one of their best players back in January walk out on the program. He's no longer there. You've got Quentin Grimes, who is a NBA type talent player. Um, they're very athletic. But if I'm Houston, I, and, and I'm Calvin Sampson, I, I I look at the next two days and say, I'm pretty much locked into a number two seed. If not, I'd be a three seed. There's really not much of a difference. Do I want to win the American Conference? Is that important to me? Or do I want to rest and save my players for what really matters? And that starts next week in the NCAA tournament. So I will be interesting to see um, how Calvin Sampson really approaches um, the games coming up today and tomorrow if they were to win today in that American Conference semifinal. But when it comes to a team like Houston, who is pretty much locked into that two seed, you know, do you look at today and say, do we really need to win these next two games? We're not going to get a one seed. What's the worst that could happen if we fall to a three? Well, Arkansas is no longer in their tournament. Oklahoma State is really good right now, but I don't think they're good enough to move up to a two. Kansas is going to stay on that three line because they're not playing due to COVID. And West Virginia has already been bounced from their tournament. So if I'm Houston, I kind of take the approach today and just say, hey, let's get some starters some time, but then let's, let's take a step back and give them some rest for what really matters. Absolutely. And I, I tell you what, again, I'm a Big Ten fan, and, you know, the uh, 
the Hawkeyes and the Buckeyes uh, will likely fall short of the number one seed, obviously, but I, I certainly think uh, their wins yesterday will almost ensure that the Big Ten will have uh, four teams in the, uh, in the top two seed lines, which really has never happened, to my knowledge, has never happened. And then we look at the SEC. Alabama still has to hold off Arkansas uh, to keep that number three seed. Uh, but certainly, I think that that's a very well po- possibility. Let's go to the number three seeds. We look at possibly, probably Oklahoma State, 20-7, Arkansas, Kansas, as you mentioned, and Virginia. Um, so Kansas and Virginia uh, both pulled out pers- uh, respective uh, conference tournaments uh, because of their players. I mean, they pulled out, I'm sorry, because of the, the players tested positive. Do you think that's going to have an impact on the number three seedings? Um, I, I think we will see Virginia move to a number four seed just because the ACC isn't as good as what it's been in the past. I mean, you look at the, the, the first two lines for seeding the top eight teams and you don't have anybody in the ACC, you know, Virginia's your best team right now. And, and I, I project them as a four seed. So, um, you know, you got, you got Florida state right there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think Kansas stays right there in that three line and Virginia's a number four, a, a number four seed going into the tournament. Well, let's look at the number four seeds. You look at Texas, West Virginia, Florida state and Purdue. Uh, Purdue uh, certainly 18-9 and nine has had a great season. I wouldn't put them uh, necessarily in the Final Four uh, capability, but I would certainly put them uh, in the Elite Eight possibility. Florida State uh, can, can stick uh, on this line with a, a win in the ACC championship against Georgia Tech. What are your thoughts on those uh, projected number four seeds, Texas, West Virginia, Florida State, and Purdue? Purdue is a team that can certainly make it to the Elite Eight. They're big. They rebound. They've got good guard play. Um, they've got NBA-type talent in their backcourt. Um, if Sasha Savanovich can find his rhythm and make shots, I mean, they had a terrible first half yesterday in the Big Ten tournament. Then it storm all the way back, take that thing to overtime, just shows that there's no quit in the Boilermakers. And Matt Painter's one of the best coaches in the country. Um, yeah, Texas has kind of just been cruising under the radar. When you think of the Big 12, obviously what comes to mind is Kansas and Baylor. So Texas is kind of just floating under the radar. Um, there'll be a team, I think, that, that can make some noise in the NCAA tournament. Florida State's Florida State. You know, I mean, it's obviously a football school, and it just seems every year that Florida State has a good squad, but they end up underachieving when they get, you know, they're a big they're a big team. And when they, when they have to go up against an athletic team with, with good guard play, it seems that, um, you know, it just seems that they are – a little bit off. So I don't, I don't really have big expectations for Florida state this year because the ACC as a whole in general has been down. Well, let's talk a little bit about the ACC uh, tournament. It finishes up today. What are your thoughts on the outcome with, of the ACC tournament? Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at just the ACC years ago, it was just the best, you know, everybody was like, Oh, this is the best conference. And it just simply hasn't been, um, but we'll see what happens today. I, I, I think you've got Georgia Tech, who is on fire, who's been very good lately. They get Florida State. You know, Georgia Tech's a little bit more rested because they didn't have to play Virginia yesterday. Florida State had to play North Carolina last night. That was a battle back and forth. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens with Georgia because they've been hot lately. They've been knocking off teams left and right. Um, they've got a great coach. And if they if they win today, they punch their ticket into the tournament, and and that could take a bit away from maybe a Colorado State or Utah State or or maybe even a Michigan State. What are we looking at in the Big East? I mean, you know, 
But what I like about the Big East is it's it's like anybody can go on a run, and it seems like every year we see a team that you don't expect or overachieves, and and that's what that's what Patrick Ewing and Georgetown are doing. Um, they they're they're a fun team to watch. Creighton's an excellent team, um, but but Georgetown could be a bit stealer again. They're they're in the same boat as Georgia Tech. If they win. All of a sudden, one of those bubble teams is no longer there. Whether that's Stan, whether that's Utah State, whether that's maybe a BYU, maybe a Michigan State, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think Creighton wins today handily, but I mean, did you see Georgetown the other day go 24 of 24 from the free throw line? That's that's pretty dang impressive. Certainly, we're right here in Big Ten country, and obviously the Big Ten tournament's going to be here in Indianapolis. By far, one of the – maybe I'm biased, but one of the best leagues in the country. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of interesting storylines in the Big Ten this year. Uh, any Anything that sticks out particularly with the, with the Big Ten, do you think that there's any surprises that come out of that tournament tomorrow? No, I mean, I think the best game of the entire tournament will be today between Iowa and Illinois. We know how – we know how those teams go back and forth. Um, that game comes up today at 3:30, um, and you got Michigan State and or you got Michigan and Ohio State. So the four best teams. I think it's the first time in history that each round the highest seed of the tournament advanced. Nobody was upset. Nobody moved forward that that probably shouldn't have. So I think we're going to see awesome basketball today out of the Big Ten tournament-like level basketball, and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I think Michigan beats Ohio State today in a close one, and Illinois has just been playing so well. Um, it's 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 incredible because I, I think we're definitely going to see one, if not maybe two, Big Ten teams into the Final Four. We're talking with Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. We're breaking down the possibilities of what's going to happen tomorrow on Selection Sunday. Remember, if you want a bracket, just a, uh, a bracket, it's free. If for bragging rights, all you got to do is send us a message on Twitter at T-Balance or on uh, Facebook, The Balance. Let's talk a little bit about the Pac-12. Obviously, that tournament's ending up today. Uh, any big surprises? I think the teams were obviously watching the Pac-12 is USC, Oregon. Colorado, definitely Colorado. We got our eyes on and UCLA as well. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the surprise is Oregon State. They, they they came in at 500. They were they were 13 and 12 coming into this tournament, um, and then they 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 blow out Oregon yesterday. They come back on UCLA and beat them in overtime um, in the quarterfinals. So um, Oregon State's been impressive. Another team that could steal a bid, but. Um, I like Colorado. I like the way McKinley Wright plays. I think Colorado's an elite eight team. Uh, I think people don't give them the respect they deserve because they play close games and because they're in the Pac-12. But McKinley Wright, Bay, some of these guys, these are NBA caliber type players. I would watch for Colorado to win big today and set themselves up nicely with the sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. We're always intrigued about the SEC, and that's probably that's because that's where Alabama lives at, that's where Tennessee lives at, LSU, Florida, uh, all the usual suspects. Uh, Kentucky, though, Kentucky, I I have to admit I have no love lost for the Wildcats at all, being an IU guy. Uh, but I did grow up in Southern Indiana, so it's kind of like either you're either a Kentucky fan or you're an IU fan. So a lot of uh, a lot of my friends are Kentucky fans. But I think for once we could finally say, hey, 
Kentucky's not in the mix of the conversation. I'm not even talking about them at all for this year, which seems odd in, in, the, in the month of March that we're not talking about Kentucky. But there again, you got the SEC teams that I'm watching. Obviously, Alabama, we're going to pay attention to that Alabama-Arkansas uh, situation uh, as far as the seeding goes. And then you look at Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, and Ole Miss very well might be one of the first four out. Yeah, I mean, just the SEC, the, the top of the SEC is really good with Alabama, Arkansas, and Tennessee. But well, the, the next tier of the Floridas, the Missouris of the world, Ole Miss, like, it's, they just don't compare to conferences like the Big Ten and um, the the Big East. So we'll see who gets in. I, I can't necessarily sit here and say that for sure. Um, they're going to get a lot of teams in. I think Florida's in, LSU's in, Missouri's in, Arkansas and Alabama are in. But then you've got some some coin flips, like you said, maybe an Ole Miss. Do they get in? Do they not get in? I don't see it happening. So uh, uh, I, I think if you're if you're SEC, you're kind of satisfied. You know what you have going into things. Let's go ahead and move on back over to where we're at. We left off that, and that is the projected five seed, Villanova, uh, Creighton, Colorado. We've been talking a lot about Colorado this year. Certainly a team that I would look at uh, to be a Final Four team, uh, is certainly in in that there's a path for them to get there. And, of course, we just talked a little bit about Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's been up and down all year. You know, they were, they were ranked as high as number five in the country this year, and and, and and they've kind of slowed down. Um, Villanova, we'll see. I mean, they, they flamed out of the Big East tournament. They're without their point guard. They're one of their best players. They're the leader in Colin Gillespie. Um, so that's really going to hurt them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you're looking for that sexy 5-12 upset. If a team like Western Kentucky or Drake or UC Santa Barbara um, pulls a Villanova in that first round, if, if that's not your, your, your 12-5 upset, that everybody likes to, uh, to, to, to to pick to be the guy that can go around and say, oh, yeah, I called that, I called that. Let's talk a little bit about the number six seeds, Wisconsin, coming in at 17-12, USC, Texas Tech, uh, and Florida at 14-9. Wisconsin has a higher uh, Ken Palm rating, uh, but it still seems uh, like the logical standing spot at this point. Some bracketologists may have had the Badgers as – a number five, but uh, I think uh, we're safe to saying that Wisconsin is a number six seed. Yeah, and I think they could even be lower than that. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they find themselves in an eight nine game, maybe matching up against the San Diego State or Virginia Tech. Um, maybe even they, maybe they decide we're gonna we're gonna put this bracket together like it's being spread out throughout the country, and maybe a Wisconsin takes on a Loyola uh, since they have close proximity to each other. So. Um, Wisconsin's a good basketball team. Uh, their record at 17 and 12, you think, well, wait a minute, why do they deserve? But when you've got, you know, Maryland at 16 and 13, Rutgers at 15 and 11, probably getting in. Um, Wisconsin's a good team. They've been consistently inside of the top 25 all year, and they've played a meat grinder of a schedule. I mean, they're they're playing the, the you know that Big Ten schedule. Their their non-conference schedule was pretty good. So, um, you know, you could see Wisconsin anywhere from a six seed to an eight seed. You know, we haven't talked a lot this year about North Carolina Tar Heels, but they're starting to heat up, and certainly at the right time. And a victory against uh, Virginia Tech should uh, certainly uh, put them in the number uh, a line uh, of, the, of the number seven seeds. I would think so, anyway. And number seven seeds being LSU, Oregon, San Diego State, and North Carolina. Yeah, I think North Carolina could 
could even move up to an eight seed. I mean, uh, or I've got them in an eight seed right now. They could be a seven. You could take LSU and Oklahoma and Oregon and UConn, Wisconsin, Florida, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. You could put all those in a hat and then fill out, you know, the seven seeds, the eight seeds, and the nine seeds, and really nobody would say anything to you. Um, be really interesting to see what they do with a team like Loyola, who is 24 and four. They're one of the hottest teams in the country. We know that they can go on a run to the Final Four. We've seen them do it before. Um, where are they at, and who do they draw in the first round? Because um, you know everybody likes the Cinderella story. Everybody knows Loyola that follows the tournament from what they did going to the Final Four back in 2018. Um, I, I see them matched up against against a bigger school, you know, a Power Six type school, and what they would do against a North Carolina or a Wisconsin. Do you think Kansas pulling out of the Big 12 tournament is going to affect their standing at, at all tomorrow in Selection Sunday? No, I mean I, I don't think they're going to be higher than a three, but they could possibly be a four. Um, but I, I think I, I think right now going into this weekend, the selection committee knows who's locked in as the one seeds, the two seeds, the three seeds, and the four seeds. Now maybe they change within those seeds, you know, by 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 movement. You know, maybe it's depending on Ohio State and Iowa. Um, but but I think I think the committee knows right now going into it. I I, I would say that they have probably five brackets in front of them. All five have different scenarios on these championship games. But I think they know which one is more, most likely. Um, and I, I think your, your, your top four seats are more than likely 99% already locked in, ready to go. Hey, what do we know about this uh, big uh, brawl, if you will, between uh, Maryland and Michigan and the two coaches apparently threatening each other? One Howard. Yeah, I mean – yeah, it's, and it's interesting because you, you could probably go back and listen to the tapes and see what happens because, you know, we're in a world right now where we kind of hear everything. And, you know, there, 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 there's microphones on the sidelines. But on top of that, you know, there's no there's no people in the crowd. So obviously you can hear a lot more things. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what was said. Juwan was very upset. Um, but at the end of the day, you're representing 18 and 19 year old kids. Like you can't, you can't show that that, that behavior is acceptable because then um, kids are going to think it's acceptable. So um, they clearly don't like each other. That's fine. But yeah, um, I just it's heat of the moment battle type stuff. I get it. Um, but at the end of the day, when when you're a college basketball coach, no matter what was said, you you got to react in a manner that um, is is respectful and kind. And 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 that was. Uh, that was tough for Juwan Howard. You know, he, he talked about, oh, well, you could take me out of here and take me out of there, and, and that's how I was raised. But just because you were raised that way doesn't mean that's the way you should react. Exactly. I, I just I think it's very disappointing when you see coaches. I mean, you know, kids, players, uh, certainly their young adults are going to make mistakes, but uh, seasoned coaches should not be in that uh, find themselves in that type of situation. I want I, we'll talk a little bit where they may fall in the selection, but Duke is certainly a team that we just seem to to not be talking about in the month of March, which seems like that's kind of odd to happen. What's going on with Duke? Yeah, I mean they're they're done. I mean they're 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 done. They're not going to make the tournament. I don't think. Um, I think that 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 they're out. Kentucky's out. IU's out. I mean you've got some major schools that aren't going to make it. And what's funny about Kentucky is if you think about you know you got these and, and really Coach K. You know you remember five years ago if you were asked who are the best coaches in the country you would probably say 
Um, maybe John Beeline at Michigan. He's no longer there. You would say probably Coach K is in the realm of that. You could obviously Calipari is part of that. Those guys aren't going to the tournament. But you would also say Rick Pitino, and Rick Pitino's one win away today with with Iona, who's dealt with COVID all year, to going back to the tournament as a head coach. Let's get into this number eight seeds as we get ready for selection Sunday tomorrow. Clemson, uh, Connecticut, Loyola, Chicago, uh, and BYU. What are your thoughts? Yeah, BYU is really interesting. They they've proven, um, you know, they've proven, you know, that 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 they can they can compete um, as we talked about. So um, you know, we're always we all like I said, we're always looking to fall in love with those Cinderella stories, and and they could certainly be one again this year. We're talking with Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast. Tony, can you stick around a little bit longer, or you do you got to go? Uh, I got a little bit longer on the other side. Okay, well we'll, we'll uh, let you uh, uh, hang around with us a little bit. This uh, this is our selection Sunday uh, special. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is our digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. I'm at a party I don't want to be at And I don't ever wear a suit and tie yet. Wondering if I could sneak up the back Nobody's even looking me in my eye Can you take my hand, finish my drink, say shall we dance? Hell yeah, you know I love you, did I ever tell you? You make it better like that Don't think I fit in at this party Everyone's got some The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted so um, you know well it is fresh roasted I don't, I don't think you know what that means you know what this is this is masa le croix pique 
which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it freshly yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Selection Weekend, Selection Eve special, and it's coming your way one day, six hours and 52 minutes and 23 seconds away. Helping us break that down is Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast. Make sure that you guys grab uh, a, a cup of Black Rifle coffee. It's really good coffee, and I'm going to tell you what, I'm not just saying that. But the other good thing about it is when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club, you buy a bag, you give a bag, and you only pay for one bag. So if you buy two bags, you give two bags and so forth. Uh, and, and it goes to uh, uh, first responders, and it goes to the troops, the active duty troops. Have a friend whose son's in the Navy and on a ship, and on the ship, that's all they serve is Black Rifle Coffee. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show uh, Navy SEAL uh, Team. Uh, that is a great show. On that show, uh, one of the characters wears a Black Rifle coffee hat. So I'm just saying it's good coffee. Get you some. Joining us now, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Tony, how are you, sir? Still hanging. How you doing? Still hanging. So glad that you could uh, help us break down uh, things with us. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other uh, storylines, if you will, with, with March Madness tomorrow. What do you think is good? Let's just start. We, we know who are who are uh, our number one prospects are. Let's start with this as we're putting together our bracket. Now, I know you're going to be doing a bracket with us, so I'm going to be curious to see how bad that uh, you do or how good that you do. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of theories in the way that you, you do your bracket. A lot of people, and I'm one of those, I have to admit, I, I try to do my research. But I do multiple brackets. So I'm, I'm one of those guys where, you know, one of my brackets is going to do do okay. I think I'm going to end up doing four brackets this year. Uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll see what, what happens there. And I do them all a little bit differently. I always do one that's just kind of a random auto pick with, with the computer. But do you have any type of method that you use to uh, to pick your your uh, brackets, Tony? Um, I do one bracket because, you know, usually when you do multiple, you're like, oh, man, this if, if I, want to, I picked it here, but I didn't pick it here. Um, you know, I watch a lot of college basketball. I know how these teams match up with each other. I do a lot of study, a lot of research. But um, what, what my method is, usually Sunday, I'm so excited the brackets come out, you print one out real quick. And I just fill it off at the top of my head. I just fill it out of who I think is going to win these matchups based on what I know. And then Monday and Tuesday, I'll go back and, and, and tinker with it a little bit, um, maybe look for something else. Maybe, you know, obviously this year more than anything, kind of like we saw in the bowl season, is we got to watch out for COVID cases and, and, and then we've got to make sure that we're on top of our bracket at all times because, you know, you don't want to have a team going all the way to the Final Four and they're eliminated off the top because of COVID. So um, 
I'll fill out one, usually on, on Sunday night, and then I'll tinker, I'll, t- I'll tinker with it a little bit throughout the week and then by, by Thursday. But this year, Friday, because the tournament starts on Friday this year, normally it's Thursday. But this year, um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be ready to go with, with, with my final bracket by Friday. See, I kind of have a combination of it. I do do the multiple brackets, though, just for fun. Uh, For the most part, the ones I do are free. The ones I pay uh, for, I'm a little bit more serious about and do my my homework uh, about. So let's just uh, let's look at at Tony's bracket right now. If you were to look at your bracket, if if we already have the selections out, uh, based on what we already know. Uh, who is going to be in the in the final four uh, as far as what your predictions might be. And let's work our way back uh, from there. Because that's kind of one other way that I do it. I, I kind of look at, okay, here's where I think the final four is going to be, and I work my way back. And there's always those upsets uh, in the first round. We're always going to see those bracket busters happen. We just never know where they are. And they're, they're pretty common in that in that 6-12 range, in that range there, where those bracket busters might be. So you want to kind of uh, take that into account. But final four, uh, what say you, sir? Yeah, I think every year approach that I do is, you know, it's it's easy to go chalk and put all the number one seeds in there. But it just seems like it's 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 as rare as it is to complete out a perfect bracket, which I don't think has ever happened before. It's pretty rare that we see all four of the number one seeds make it to the final four. So I'm always looking for a two or a three seed that I feel can make it to the final four, can really stack up well. Um, to me right now, I mean, we talked about this. To me, that, that's Houston. I think Houston's a team that is going gonna, is gonna to represent the American Conference and go to the final four. Again, it depends on matchups, but, you know, I, I, think, I think Michigan is a final four team. I think Houston is a final four team. I think Gonzaga is a final four team. And then are you looking at a team like Illinois, maybe Baylor? Um, could you possibly see somebody on that 3-4 line make it? Is a, is a Texas Tech or a Creighton at 5? Those teams are those are teams that are good enough to make it to the NC or to the Final Four. I mean, those are teams that can legit make a run, and it's all about getting hot. I think a lot of coaches approach the conference tournaments as let's get hot, let's, ba- let's gain momentum for next week. But, but you take that loss. You know, there, there, there's only 32 automatic bids, so more than likely, uh, maybe a little bit different this year, obviously, because Kansas and Virginia coming off COVID. But there's only, you know, only half the field goes into the NCAA tournament on a winning streak. Everybody else is coming off a loss, and they have that hungry taste in their mouth. So how do you react to that change? How do you react to that loss from a week ago? Put it behind you, and now, you know, you, we got to perform because it's go or go home, and. You know, it might be a little bit different this year uh, because a lot of these kids can play again next year, but it's go or go home time. Let's talk a little bit. And, you know, we never really want to say Cinderella because really what it amounts to is a good team beating a, a better team, if you will. Uh, but I, I, Cinderella is always those stories where you just don't think you would have never seen it coming. And we remember a few years back with Loyola Chicago, those type of Cinderella teams. We remember Butler we, we, we was considered at one point a Cinderella team. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the people that might be on some of the teams that might be on a Cinderella list and possibility. What are your thoughts about Southern Utah? Um, I mean, that's probably digging a little bit too deep. I think if you're looking for teams that can, legit make a run that you wouldn't think of. I think St. Bonaventure comes to mind. They've been playing 
their mm-hmm. best basketball um, out, out of out of the Atlantic Ten. They're a great team that can that can shoot the three. They're very athletic. Um, Western Kentucky has a guy that's going to be in the NBA next year. So whenever you have an NBA talent or a top fifteen projected player, um, you, you you have a chance. They won their conference USA tournament yesterday. Uh, Western Kentucky is certainly right there. Um, a team that might, you know, a lot of a lot of people are projecting Buffalo to be like the 14 seed, and Buffalo's a pretty good team. They average 89 points a game. Uh, you don't want to get into a track meet with them because that's going to wear you down. So I think Buffalo is certainly a team that that can make some noise. I think Western Kentucky is a team, and and, and St. Bonaventure's. If you're talking the out, outside of the box, maybe we didn't see this coming type of run. Georgia Tech. Are they going to make any noise this year? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what they do today. Um, you know, they're they're obviously coming off a rest day when they should have played yesterday. Um, but I, I, I'm a big fan of this Georgia Tech team. You talk about teams that have momentum that are hot right now. So if they get a win today in the ACC tournament, they win that ACC tournament, all of a sudden, you know, you're going, hey, we we can beat some teams next week. We can, you know, we'll probably they'll probably be that eight nine game where they're going to have to battle weekend, you know, every, every every game. I mean, you know, the ones and the twos and the threes, quote unquote, get the cookie cutter games, or they're playing very lowered seeds that are teams that um, you know aren't high D ones. But uh, Georgia Tech will have their hands full, but they've proven over the last couple of weeks that they can they can beat really strong competition. You know, a lot of times when we look at those bracket busters in the in the in the first the first round, if you will, if we look at that three and fourteen, that three seed versus that fourteen seed, a lot of times people look at that. One of the if we look at the possible abilities, we don't we don't know what the brackets are, but just certainly a possibility that the number three seed would be Arkansas, number fourteen seed, North Dakota State. North Dakota State has the ability to uh, do some damage. Can they catch Arkansas by surprise? If that was the matchup, I should say. I mean, I think it's going to be tough for them. They they kind of stumbled through their through their tournament. Had some had some games. They had to come back. Um, and I'm not sure if North Dakota State is in. If I'm not mistaken, Oral Roberts was the winner of oh, that okay. conference tournament. So I don't see them getting. Yeah, I don't see them getting in at all. They 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 stumbled and lost to Oral Roberts. So. Um, if you're looking for like a 13 seed for an upset, Liberty and Winthrop are two really good teams that have experience. Liberty won a, won a tournament game two years ago as a 13 seed. They knocked off Virginia Tech. A lot of those same guys still on the squad. They know how to win. Um, and I, I Winthrop at 23 and one. I mean, I know it's not as stiff a competition as maybe an Arkansas or a Purdue gets, but when you're 23 and one, you, you you become used to winning basketball games, and you know you, just because you don't match up nine out of ten times against the team, that one day in the NCAA tournament where it's all on the line and you got to win or go home, anything can happen. And I think Winthrop and Liberty are two teams to look at. Are we going to see any number one seed surprise uh, bracket buster in the first round? No, no, and I don't. I don't. I'm not sure we'll see it. You know, you could say if it was going to happen, it would be this year with all the COVID protocols. I mean, what, what's going to be interesting is, like, what happens if a number one seed can't play because of COVID? You know, then it's like, what do you do? Do you mm-hmm. automatically advance that 16 seed? So that would be the only way that I could see it happening. Um, but I just think that Baylor, Gonzaga, Illinois, and Michigan are too good, even even on their worst day, uh, to lose to an Oral Roberts or a Prairie View A&M um, or a Mount St. Mary's. 
Well, you know, you mentioned the, the COVID, and, and certainly there's testing uh, protocol in place. So uh, kind of dumb it down for us uh, non-COVID experts, if you will, Tony. What's the process from from the time that the teams get to Indianapolis next week? Uh, they, they test once or twice a day. What happens to those that test positive? Is it just the players? Is it the entire team that just becomes disqualified? And is there the ability for them to – come back into the bubble, or once they test positive, if they test positive, they're done. Yeah, I think it's in, it goes by individuals. And if, if you're an individual that tests positive, I mean, uh, you're done. You know, you'll go to quarantine. You might just be, you know, condensed to your hotel room. And then you go, you know, it's like, do you, do they travel back with the school? You know, do, do you come in contact with people? Um, they've got their work together and, and uh, we'll know next Saturday when you and I talk because I have a friend who's actually volunteering to to administrate some of the tests for these players and coaches and staff. So um, I'll have a little bit more on that next week. But, yeah, I, I think it's an individual. You know, it's in these conference tournaments, it's the team. The team's gone. But I think in the NCAA tournament, it's the individual that's gone. And so let's certainly talk about that. That's great. That's great to hear that that does it. So what do you think would happen in the event that you get all the way to the Final Four and let's just let's just use a, a hypothetical uh, whatever it is. Let's let's just say that it's Baylor and it's uh, Wisconsin or Alabama. They uh, they lost get to I mean they get to the final four and then the team that's in in the final four gets disqualified. How do they move? How do they move up the slot? Does does the team that got disqualified? They're the team that lost to them. Do they get moved up? How's that happen? How do they fill that spot in when we get to that? Yeah, you would have to think it's the team that that gets that gets eliminated by said team. Um, You know, if if Wisconsin goes and they beat Tennessee in the Elite Eight, um, you know, do they get the advance of the Final Four even though they lost? So, um, looking looking at the protocols. there was guidelines that came out. Uh, teams are required to have seven consecutive days of negative test results in Indianapolis. The seven test protocol also includes people in the school's 34 person travel team. So that's coaches, that's medical staff, that's whoever um, they can members of the party who are held back will still have to meet the required protocols at a later date. If they would like to travel, um, you know, so those teams that we know, Kansas, Virginia, they're still going to be in the NCAA tournament, but those those players um, players are going to um, have to be tested coming back. And um, if you're if if you're forced to withdraw uh, because of COVID nineteen, uh, there's a there's there's a contingency plan to replace that team. Um, if a team has to withdraw, the first order of business is to make sure all 31 conferences are represented in the tournament. If a program from a conference with only one tournament bid withdraws, that team will be replaced with a team from the same conference. When it comes to teams in a conference with multiple bids, that it becomes an at-large bid. Um, so, you know, that, that's going into the tournament, and I think that they're confident that, um, you know, once these teams get to Indianapolis, they're not going to have any changes. Um, but, again, the, the, late, the late deadline, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if it's it's replaced by the team that, that, that you beat the week before. It'll be interesting to see. 
We're talking with Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast. This is our selection uh, weekend. This is March Madness. We're going to have a March Madness. Let, let's talk a little bit about, uh, real quickly, who you think will logically be your final four and uh, your championship team. Just for S&Gs, let's see what you got there. Yeah, and I don't. I normally don't do this just because they've proven that they can't win it all, but it's going to be very hard for me to keep Gonzaga out of the national championship game and even winning that national championship game. I don't think Baylor's going to be in my final four. I think that's a team that I think their side of the bracket, you'll see a lot of chaos just, just because of the fact that, um, you know, they're not as strong as maybe what they were a month or two ago before they had their COVID issues. Uh, so, so give me, give me Gonzaga. Give me Houston as long as they're not obviously in the Absolutely same bracket. Um, I, I I do think either Michigan or Illinois will be there um, as as a Big Ten rep representation, um, and then and then we'll see if you know there's there's always going to be that one team maybe a UConn maybe a Creighton um, maybe a Wisconsin as you mentioned or maybe even an Alabama that sneaks in there. So um, there's a lot of multiples there that I gave you, but you know I always I always put probably Gonzaga in there in this tournament because they're just that good. Um, and just depending on the matchups, maybe maybe one of the teams between Michigan and Ohio State, but I think Michigan is, is, is certainly a Final Four squad. So you think the number four seeds will will combine to win more games in the tournament, NCAA tournament, than the number three seeds? I mean, it just depends. Again, it just depends on, you know, matchups, and it depends on who's there. Um, but But it's certainly a possibility. It's certainly one of those things that, that you look at. And, you know, you if you look at West Virginia, Kansas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma State on the three line, we know Oklahoma State's a good team and they're hot right now. That doesn't mean that they don't lose. Um, Arkansas, they really haven't been tested. I don't think the SEC is as good as, as, as other schools. Kansas, I mean, hell, we don't know. What, in Kansas and Virginia, we don't know what the protocols. West Virginia is a team that seems to – to, to wreak havoc the first week of the tournament, but then can't advance. So it can certainly happen. Are we going to see uh, at least one triple double in the NCAA tournament? I'll say no. It's just so hard to do. I know we saw one uh, last night. I forgot who it was or two nights ago. Uh, oh, it was Houston. Houston had a triple double. It's the first triple double in Houston his, or since 1993 with Bo Outlaw. But um, I'll say no. It's, it's just it's just so tough to do um, in an NCAA tournament game. How do you think the Big East is going to do in the tournament overall? Uh, I, you know, a lot of people say there'll be no Big East team that will win more than two games in the NCAA tournament. Well, we know right off the top that Villanova is not the team that they were all season. And Jay Wright's a hell of a coach, but but losing your, your senior point guard to that kind of injury, we, we, we saw them struggle, um, leaning too much on Robinson Earl. Uh, UConn is a team that I think can win two games for sure. Um, Creighton's a team that I think can win two games for sure. Creighton's a really good team. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't trust Villanova without Colin Gillespie. You know, you're, you're into the betting world and, and uh, we're certainly going to get, uh, more into that next week. Once we have the, the brackets out and we know what's going on and we have a better feel, but here's a prop bet for you. Uh, Tony Gonzaga will win at least eight p- by win by at least eight points in every game in route to the final four. In route to the final four, I'll say no. 
do I think they win their first three games by eight plus points? Yeah, but I think you're going to run into a team and something you haven't seen, uh, whether it's a, it's it's a big squad out of the Big East, whether it's a team in the SEC. Um, I'll say no. I'll say no on the way to the Final Four. They don't win every game by eight plus. There's another one for you. Two double-digit seeds will make the Sweet 16, and one of them will be Georgia Tech. Two, two yes. Georgia Tech, maybe. Um, they're hot right now, so at some point they've got to cool off. Does that come today in the ACC championship game? Does that come next week as an eight or a, or as a, as a, as a nine or a ten seed? We'll see, but I don't know if they'll be seeded in the double digits. Are you there, Tony? I'm here. Okay, so I got you dropped off there for a second. I thought I lost you there. So here's a uh, another one, and then we'll get into some of this other stuff. While we just got you for a few more minutes here, a number thirteen seed will upset upset a number four seed, and that would be Winthrop. It'll be either Winthrop or Liberty. Yes. You know, I like Liberty a lot, and, and Adam Zividen, who's been on the show a few times, and certainly a big um, Ohio State fan and college football guy, he went to Liberty, so I know he's all pumped up about Liberty. We're going to get you out one of our brackets. Tony, we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yep, at Tony D. Indy on Twitter, uh, Tony D's podcast. We'll break down the bracket on the podcast. We'll do a little live stream coming up. Sunday on Twitter and YouTube talking about the bracket as it comes out. And uh, I'll, I'll be breaking it down on the podcast round by round and uh, we'll just see what happens. And we'll have uh, your uh, podcast information up on social media. Tony, we appreciate you joining us. So you have yourself a great weekend, sir. You too. We'll talk next week. Yes, sir. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, helping us break down the brackets. The brackets come out tomorrow. If you and as you just heard, uh, Tony on his uh, podcast, and he'll be breaking it it down round by round. And so make sure that you you check him out at Tony D podcast. Get a bracket from us. All you got to do is go to. Twitter at T Balance. One hit, follow us if you're not already following us. And two, uh, just uh, send us a. Um, a uh, direct message or a message on Facebook saying that you want a bracket. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. This is Selexa Weekend. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind. And I can see through this and see what's behind Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying But I'm only human okay, okay. I can't believe it I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. 
GEICO makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to GEICO.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to GEICO.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm laughing. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle Coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lequa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been past their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. to an NCAA Men's Basketball Selection Committee chat. I'm Andy Katz, pleased to be joined by the chair of the Men's Basketball Selection Committee, Mitch Barnhart, also the athletic director at the University of Kentucky for quite a long time. It is Friday as we're taping of Champ Week. Uh, And Mitch, I first want to, before we get to the selection process, just a general comment, just to remind people, what are the protocols before you get to Indy? And then once you are here, which will really start happening for the majority of teams that aren't in the Big Ten Tournament, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Yeah, so clearly we've, we've put some protocols in place uh, through the Marion County Health and through um, the state of Indiana. I want to make sure that we're very uh, clear that we were trying to create a safe environment for young people when they come into play and for coaches and administrators, officials, all of those, all the folks that would be a part of this controlled environment. So seven consecutive negative tests and, and two PCR tests when you get to town um, and a quarantine period in terms of getting those negative results We've created environments within the hotels um, where there's 34 rooms on a floor, single rooms for people when they when they come in here, um, socially distant, masking, uh, connects on devices. Um, then when they have their meals, that they're socially distant in their in their meal rooms, and and all of those pieces 
um, with sanitizing facilities in between different pieces of practice and competitions and, and where they go. So I think at the end of the day, uh, we, the NCAA staff and the county health officials have done an amazing job of trying to create an environment. Once we get people here, um, feel very comfortable that we'll be able to progress on and work work through the, the details of the tournament. But it's it's a challenge. People are working at it. Uh, I've talked to many people across the country and, and uh, daily, uh, everyone is working at um, taking the proper steps to get to Indianapolis. And that's also why, to remind people, the tournament is not starting on Tuesday, Wednesday. It is starting on Thursday with the first four and the first round Friday, Saturday, second round, Monday, Tuesday. All right. Great. So to that point, on the court. Um, how is the committee judging games that teams played right after a pause? You know, I think that that's pretty subjective from a, a public perspective. And I think we've got to be careful. There's some teams no different than any other. You, you come off a off weekend or a rest period or whatever it happens to be people. Some of those folks do it remarkably well. They come out rested, ready to go, fresh legs, fresh minds, and go play extremely well. Other folks do not handle that well. I've seen that in sports for for 40 years, you know, and, and that is not different. Coming out of a pause is the word we're using, off, by, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think teams react differently um, to your, what you and I visited a little bit earlier. We were just talking about injuries. Some people react when people are gone from injuries and they come back, that player is gone and they play without that player. Sometimes that doesn't go very well. Sometimes it goes okay. At the end of the day, the committee's got to evaluate the resume as it lies. And it comes down to the foundational piece of, Who'd you play? Where'd you play them? And what was the result? And I'm comfortable that, uh, that certainly that this is, but it seems to be, it's, it's almost every, not everyone, a lot of folks have had pauses. And so everyone's had to fight through that. That's why I've said from the beginning, um, the people that get to Indianapolis will be worthy. The champion will be really worthy because they'll have gone through some significant challenges in terms of health and safety preparations and protocols and the ability to fight through these kind of conversations and get to, the, to that championship moment. All right, so when we talked on Thursday, mm -hmm. uh, you told me 25 teams had basically been in the field, essentially, and the top two lines had more or less been seeded. Uh, on Friday morning, where are you? We're 33 teams at large in the field. Um, we've had significant conversations. We've taken some breaks to be able to watch some games and together and just talk about teams. Um, you know, we, when, we're, when we're apart, Andy, we don't get that opportunity. Uh, we're, we're in our own uh, environments at home, um, 10 people in different, different cities. And, and so the conversations on a two-hour call um, don't quite get as in-depth as when you're sitting in a room and talking about a team and evaluating um, their resumes in, in front of the monitors or the computers. And then you get into a, uh, an area where watching teams and actually being able to talk back and forth about them. And it's really good conversation. So we've got 33 teams at large in the field. We've seated a and a handful of lines more. Um, we have not begun the scrubbing process in any way, shape, or form. So we've got work to do on that. But we're efficiently where we want to be. Um, I won't say we're, at, we're not ahead of schedule. We're not behind schedule. About on time. And uh, realizing the timelines that, uh, that we're on. And by 6 o'clock Sunday night, we've got to have a bracket to somebody so we can get this thing going, right? And what do you want to accomplish by the end of Friday night? Uh, Friday night, I think we want to have more clarity on on uh, the teams that we would like to put in the field. I'm not saying we'll lock down the field, um, but uh, get get some more clarity on the the teams that are sort of on our watch list, so to speak. And uh, I'd like you know we'd like to have maybe seated a couple more lines and and get to a spot. We'll have a lot of the 
the tournaments will have taken another step towards automatic qualifiers, and that that gives clarity to us about um, teams on the on the bubble or folks that might be taking spots away, so to speak. You guys do a great job of prognosticating about who's going to steal a bid and those kind of things. And so I think we'll get to a better spot. And, and uh, again, a bunch of games today, just a lot of basketball will be played today and a lot of, of uh, great games to, to be able to, to watch and, and see people making progress towards Indianapolis. And the last thing, Mitch, you know, we all get sort of locked into that last four, the last two teams in. Um, at what point in the weekend do you think that would actually occur where you're going to say, you know what, these were the last four that we put into the first four, um, you know, and, and then here are the, the first four out that ultimately could potentially be those first four teams that are standby or the first four of the NIT? Yeah, certainly, we want to make sure that we're, we're thoughtful about that. We'll certainly go beyond the at-large pool because that those those next four in the conversation are very, very important in terms of um, having an opportunity to possibly come in and, and jump into the tournament because of someone not being able, being available. So uh, we'll be thoughtful about that. Um, you know, I think that, you know, obviously Saturday is a long, long day. It is a starts early and ends late, and it goes deep into the conversations on Sunday morning. Um, so I don't envision any of that being wrapped up anytime that day. I think we'll that'll be the certainly the icing on the cake as, as we finish the conversations. Um, but I, you know, I think that, uh, first and foremost, uh, we've got to get to a spot where we're comfortable with the 37 at larges. We have our hands around the AQs. Uh, we've, we've efficiently scrubbed the list. Um, but, um, you know, I certainly want to make sure that we've done a good job of evaluating those next four teams because they could have, they could play a large role in, in this tournament. And, uh, so, uh, we're not going to rush into that. We'll take our time and it won't be just a, a Hey, by the way, here's here's four others. It's going to be a very very uh, detailed conversation to make sure that we get that right. Appreciate it, Mitch. I know you got a long day ahead, but uh, yeah. hey, we're watching basketball and talking about basketball yeah. teams, so that's it all is. good. Uh, that's we'll see you on Saturday. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate the time. All the best. All right, welcome back to the balance. This has been our selection Sunday weekend special. It is March Madness it's happening here at Indianapolis High, and uh, where we're located high atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. We are excited to have the brackets ready for you as soon as they are available. If you want a bracket, just uh, send us a direct message on Twitter or Facebook and just give us a message and say, hey, I want a bracket. Give us your email address, and we'll get it out there to you. You can compete against the best of us all across the nation. Uh, 917-889-8516 is our digits. It's time for me to go and do si on out of here. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We'll see what happens on the other side tomorrow on Selection Sunday. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.